At the Spacer's Lounge, a courtesy droid showed them to a table on the patio. Bland renditions of 20-year-old jizz classics wafted from unseen emitters. For old time's sake, Han and Roa ordered flagons of Ebla beer. Halfway through their first, Han asked to know the purpose of Roa's seeking him out. Fair enough, Roa said. Do you remember a smuggler from the old days named Wreck Desh? Han nodded. Yeah, Wreck was a decent navigator, but he never impressed me as a pilot. Roa took a drink and licked his lips. Sometimes you only know a soldier when he becomes an officer. Meaning what? Wreck's gone over. Gone over to who? To the enemy, Han, Roa said, leaning forward. Or at least to a group of mercenaries working for the Yujong Fong. That can't be right. Wreck wasn't the traitor type. A group Wreck's fallen in with call themselves the Peace Brigade. Word is they're stirring up anti-Jedi sentiment and scouting out worlds where the Yuzhong Vong can repeat what they did at Sernpadal. Han's eyes narrowed in irritation. Why are you telling me this, Roa? Roa lowered his gaze. Because the will died on one of the worlds the Peace Brigade softened up for the kill. She died in the first Yuzhong Vong wave. I was one of a handful who made it out alive. So you're coming here. This is as much between you and Wreck as it is between you and me. Roa held Han's polar gaze. If I could deal with Wreck on my own, I would. But I'm more frail than I look, Han. Yeah, and who better to help you than me, huh? A guy who just lost his partner. To put it bluntly, yes. Where are Wreck and his crew now? Han asked. I don't know. But I know where we could go to find out. First stop would be... Han threw up his hands. Don't say anything. If I don't know where we're going, then I can't tell anyone. We'd have to leave while the scent is fresh, Roa said. Han tugged at his lower lip and thought for a moment. Your ship's here? Roa looked surprised. Of course, but you want me to pilot you? Now that's a switch. Yes or no, Roa? Roa made a placating gesture. Don't get me wrong, son. I'm more than happy to oblige. I just naturally figured you'd want to take the Falcon. Han shook his head. As an occasionally smart-mouthed droid I know once said, the Falcon's better configured for running away than engagement. And besides, she's become a ghost ship. I always knew you had a soft spot for the high life, Roa remarked as he and Han climbed from the repulsor cab that had delivered them to the Skyway balcony of the Solo residence in one of the administrative district's most exclusive neighborhoods. Don't kid yourself, Han said. It's smaller inside than it looks. The door recognized Han and opened. Arms not quite akimbo on his webbed midriff and head tilted to one side, C-3PO was standing in the tile-floored atrium. Why, it's Master Solo, and a guest. Welcome home, sir. To Roa, he added, I am C-3PO, human-cyborg relations. Taking in the domed entryway, Roa whistled softly. How long before I hear the echo? Han frowned and turned to C-3PO. Where's Leia? In the master suite, sir. I was just engaged in helping her pack when she sent me downstairs to fetch this. C-3PO held out a shimmer silk scarf Han had purchased for her on their most recent trip to Bimsari. Pack? Where's she going? 
Actually, sir, I am to accompany Mistress Lair, but have yet to be informed of the destination. Han glanced at Roa. You better wait down here while I handle this. Roa nodded. I agree wholeheartedly. In the master's suite, Han found Leia laying out items of clothing on the bed. Seems like every time I come up here lately, you're getting ready to leave. Maybe you should just keep a bag packed. Leia froze on seeing him. Where have you been? I have been trying to reach you all morning. Han rubbed his nose. Memory lane. Anyway, I had my comm link switched off. He gestured to the open suitcase. Threepio tells me you two are going somewhere. Leia sat down on the edge of the large bed and curled a strand of hair behind her ear. Ord Mantel, of all places. The refugee problem has become overwhelming. Han food shortages, disease, families separated. Han cut his eyes to the suitcase once more. Don't you ever get tired of mercy missions? Mercy missions are what I do. I'm trying to help any way I can. Han nodded nonchalantly. Actually, the uh, timing couldn't be better because I'll be away for a while myself. Leia stared at him. Away where? I'm not sure. Leia raised her eyebrows. You're not sure? It's a fact, Han said, glancing down into the foyer where Roa was appraising a crystal statue Leia had picked up on Vortex. Leia followed his gaze. Who's that? An old friend. Does he have a name? Roa. Well, that's a start, Leia said facetiously. I don't know where you're going, but at least I know who you'll be with, just in case I need to reach you. She paused. Are you taking the falcon? Han shook his head. Feel free to take her out for a spin whenever you want. Leia studied him. Han? What's all this about? I'm just going to check up on a mutual friend. And you have to leave immediately? Han shot her a look. Now or never, Leia. It's that simple. He grabbed a travel pack from the closet, then went to the wall unit and began to rummage through one of the drawers. In a moment, he had hold of his 30-year-old Blastec DL-44. He ran his thumb over the nub of the front sight blade. Then he slipped the weapon into the bag along with some clothes. Leia watched him for a long moment. Can you at least stay until Anakin gets home? You've been avoiding him all week. Han kept his back to her. You can tell him goodbye for me. Leia moved deliberately into his view. You two have more to say to each other than goodbye. He's confused, Han. You tell him he shouldn't feel responsible for what happened on Cernvedal, but your silence and anger send the opposite message. You have to help him through this. Han looked at her. What's he need me for? He's got the Force. He needs your love, Han. Even the Force can't grant him that. She was about to go on, but she stopped herself and let her shoulders sink. Forget it, Han. You know what? Maybe it'll be good for you to get away for a while. Welcome to Bag Show, Major Shawalter. Dr. Seychell said warmly. I didn't figure someone of your stature would come all this way. Actually, I won the coin toss, Showalter said. I guess I can understand everyone's interest. Showalter and Seychell knew each other from Coruscant, where they had worked together in an intelligent safe house in the bowels of the governmental district, and had occasionally hobnobbed with the likes of Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Lando Calrissian. 
So, where are our two prizes? Seichal led him through a retinal print-secured door to a large one-way transparasteel window in the rear wall of the lab. Dressed in hospital robes, the two alleged defectors were seated on separate cots in the room behind the window, quietly conversing in what Showalter assumed was their own language. Falling on the Yuzhong Vong female, Showalter's brown eyes widened with interest. I didn't think the enemy was capable of producing anything so attractive. Yes, Seychelles agreed. She is a handsome specimen. And the other is what? Pet or partner? A little of both, I think. They're inseparable in any case. And the pet, for lack of a better word, seems every bit as intelligent as her master. Her? Indisputably. Uh, perhaps of a species indigenous to the Yuzhongwong's home galaxy. Or vat-grown, genetically engineered. Whatever she is, she has quite an appetite for our foodstuffs. Have you been able to talk to them? The Yuzhongwong female, uh, her name is Elan, by the way, speaks basic. She says she learned it as part of her training. As what? Seychelle grinned. Are you ready for this? A priestess. Showalter's thick brows beetled. You're kidding. He glanced at Alan. I wonder if they're celibate. I didn't think to ask, Seychelle said. But she sounds sincere about wanting political asylum. I ran a voice stress analysis just for fun, and the test results back her story up. She insists on meeting with the Jedi. She claims to have information about a spore-born illness the Yuzhong Vong let loose before they launched their invasion. Showalter scratched his head. The pet likes our food, the priestess speaks basic, knows about the Jedi, and wants sanctuary. Next thing, you'll tell me they have a bet down on the Smashball finals. He sighed with purpose. Director Scour wants them transported for a preliminary debriefing, discreetly, of course. You'll be handling the relocation, Major? Showalter nodded. It's obviously a trap, Seychelle said. These two, I mean. Of course it is. But this could be our only chance to interrogate one of them, and we're in no position to pass that up. Welcome aboard, Roa said as he and Han reached the Sorosub 3000's carpeted passenger ramp. A quick look around, and it was Han's turn to be impressed. He roamed about, inspecting details and shaking his head. You know who used to fly one of these? Lando Calrissian. But even his didn't measure up to this. Roa clapped Han on the shoulder and steered him toward the main forward hold, where a burnished silver protocol droid intercepted them. Pardon me, Master Roa, but a stranger is approaching the ship. A console screen displayed video of a slight brown-haired, blue-eyed teenager. You recognize him? Roa asked Han. Han's eyes narrowed. My youngest son. Anakin was already at the foot of the Happy Daggers ramp by the time Han appeared. Hey, Dad, he said carefully. Han stormed down the ramp and planted his hands on his hips. How'd you track me down? Anakin took a step back. Mom said you were traveling with someone named Roa and that you weren't taking the Falcon... Wasn't that hard to locate the right docking bay? Han's expression hardened. I hope she didn't send you here to find out where I'm going, because it's like I told her I don't know yet. Anakin frowned. 
She didn't send me. I came on my own. Oh, Han said awkwardly. So, I have something for you. Anakin unclipped a small leather case from his belt. Consider it a, a going-away present. Han looked quizzically at the lightweight cylinder he'd been handed. I give up, he said at last. What is it? A survival tool. Brightening slightly, Anakin took back the device and ran through the procedures for accessing a score of miniature utensils, including a macrofuser and a miniature transpirator. For a moment, Han didn't know what to say. Uh, look, kid, it's a clever piece of hardware, but I don't have any hiking trips planned for the near future. Chewie made it for me, Anakin said evenly. I want you to have it. Han started to protest, but thought better of it. The tool was a peace offering. He forced a smile and turned the tool about in his hands. Who knows? Maybe it'll come in handy. Thanks, kid. They embraced stiffly and briefly. Han started for the happy dagger, but stopped halfway up the ramp and swung back to Anakin. It's going to be all right, you know. Anakin stared at him, blinking back tears. What is? The war? My feeling terrible about Chewie? Or taking off without letting anyone know where you're going? Through the Happy Dagger's wraparound cockpit viewport, Han gazed queasily at the mottled indifference of hyperspace. Beside him, Roa stirred, yawned loudly, and stretched his arms over his head. He blinked and swiveled to the droid at the navicomputer. Are we nearly there? The ship will shortly revert to real space, Master Roa. Roa grinned at Han. Like old times, isn't it? You and me on a run. So, just where are we going, Roa? Roa tapped his forefinger on a star chart he called up on a display screen. Ord Mantell. Han's mouth fell open a bit. Then he threw his head back and launched an explosive laugh at the ceiling. Roa regarded him quizzically. Worried about running into someone from your past? Someone from the here and now, Han muttered. My wife. Ord Mantell was still the same undistinguished sphere Han remembered from previous visits, which had been many over the years, some intentional, more by misadventure. But something new had been added since Han's last visit, a small space station of outmoded ring design, pieced together from salvaged and hut-supplied parts by a consortium of mid-rim engineering companies. The Jubilee Wheel, Roa called it. First down the ramp, while Roa saw to lockdown procedures, Han was confronted by a group of five aliens of a species he had never encountered. You need perhaps someone to watch over your ship? Their spokesman asked. Han eyed the alien up and down. I need perhaps someone to watch over you. The alien, clearly a male, took a moment to catch on, then laughed loudly, a hearty basso laugh that almost made Han smile. A head shorter than Han, he was a biped with muscular legs and a slender yet useful-looking tail. Those parts of him left unconcealed by a colorful vest and culottes were covered with short, smoke-colored fuzz, save for the backs of his forearms and tail. A soft, snow-white mustache drooped past his pointed chin and a fright wig of matching white hair. 
His front-facing eyes were large and bright. His nose was a chitinous beak that curved down over a thin-lipped mouth and was perforated like a musical instrument. All right, all right, the mouthpiece was saying. You perhaps prefer to have someone clean and detail the ship? Han put his hands on his hips and laughed. He was still sniggering when Roa came down the ramp. Roa, you want to hire this bunch to sonic the carpets and clean the freshers? Roa regarded the aliens with keen interest. That's what the droids are for, he told the spokesman. Then we'll watch over the ship. Lots of thieves about. I do appreciate the offer, Roa said congenially. But no thanks. Some other time, perhaps. The aliens exchanged words in their melodic native language, nodded to Han and Roa, and moved off toward the neighboring ship in the bay. It's like somebody tossed a manka cat and a woolamander into a blender, Han said, watching the aliens. Rin, Roa said, identifying the species. I used to run into them occasionally on out-of-the-way worlds in the Corpsec. Essien, Nin, Mattress Six... They're nomads, uh, that is, when they're not being hunted or enslaved, chased from one place to another. They have a reputation for thievery and confidence games, but I've never had a problem with them. And I'll tell you, Han, they perform the most exhilarating music I've ever heard. Music you can't help but dance to. Han gave them another look. Where's their home world? Roa shook his head. No one's ever been able to tell me. Han laughed through his nose. <laughs> Just when you think you've seen it all. They headed for immigration and customs where long lines of mixed species were undergoing document checks and security scans. Han showed his documents, which identified him as Roki Lamu, a freelance laser welder. We're looking for a watering hole. The bet's off, Roa said to the customs agent, who was rifling through their bags. You know how to get there. Assuming you two have normal spectrum vision, red route to the yellow tram to white too, then all the way down the shaft. You can't miss it. A short time later, Han and Roa sipped geysers in the bets off, a crowded and somewhat elegant tap calf with a back room devoted to sabak and other games of chance. Time I started making some inquiries, Roa announced when he'd finished his drink. He stood up and squared his shoulders. I won't be long. Han watched him move off in the direction of the circular bar, then watched him return only moments later with the rangy, red-haired spacer. Rokilamu, meet Fazgo, Roa said as the man extended his hand to Han. Just make sure to count your fingers when you're done shaking. Fazgo grinned broadly, showing stained teeth, and took a long swallow of ale. Fazgo was one of my best tax and tariff boys, Roa continued. Just ask him and he'll tell you. And since he left my employ, he's had occasion to work with Rek Desh. Han watched Fazgo's smile collapse. Any idea where Rek can be found? Roa asked pleasantly. Fazgo swallowed hard. Look, Roa, I... Rocky and I know all about Rex's new employers. Roa cut him off, so there's no need to feed us a tale. Fazgo licked his lips and forced a short laugh. Uh, you know Rex. Roa, he, he, he follows the credits. Han put his elbows on the table. If the pay's all that good, how come you're not still with him? Uh, not my style, Fazgo said, shaking his head. I'm no traitor. Han and Roa glanced at each other. So, what about Wreck? Roa said. 
Fazgo shook his head once more. Oh, I don't know where he is now. Gauging the look in Han's eyes, he added, I'm being straight with you guys. I don't know. He glanced around and leaned forward conspiratorially. There is someone on station who could probably tell you. He runs things around here, the underground things. They call him Boss B. And just where do we find this Boss B, Roa said. Fazgo made his voice a whisper. Ask around for him and he'll find you. As the spacer was about to rise, Han laid a restraining hand on his shoulder. Who's running Rex Enterprise? Who's this control? The color drained from Fasgo's face. You don't want to meet them, Loki. They're nasty as they come, and then some. Give me a name? I never learned any names. Honest. Fasgo swallowed whatever else he was about to say and riveted his gaze on something over Han's shoulder. Han twisted around to see three Trandoshans moving toward the table, armed with Merson and Blastech blasters, and wearing knee-length climate-controlled coveralls. While two came to a halt on either side of his chair, the largest of the Saurian trio, older by the look of his graying skin, circled the table twice, never taking his black-pupiled red eyes from Han. Eventually, he took up a position directly across from him. Now you look very familiar, he rasped. His long tongue emerged from a lipless mouth and wriggled in the air for a moment. And you taste even more familiar. Han forced himself to relax. While the Trandoshan had clearly recognized him, Han wasn't sure if he and the alien had ever crossed paths. Native to a world in the same star system as Kashyyyk, the brackish-smelling Trandoshans had been instrumental in persuading the Empire to enslave the Wookiees and had often worked as slavers themselves. Last time I saw a tongue like that, it was hanging in a meat market collecting stink flies, Han said. The Trandoshan's death trap of a mouth approximated a baleful smile and he planted his triple-clawed hands on the table. Now, the human you resemble has since become a very important person. But when I knew him, he was just a second-rate smuggler running spice for Jabba the Hutt and anyone else witness enough to employ him. Basque? Han wondered. Could it possibly be... Among other dishonorable acts, this piece of human filth once interfered with a legitimate slaver operation on Gandolo Four. Roa shifted in his seat and spoke up. What's past is past, big guy. Or is it that you're so short on hunter's points you got to disturb a couple of old friends sharing drinks? The Trandoshan glowered at Roa, then Han. I don't know this fat one, but I do know you, Han Solo. Solo? Fazgo said in astonishment. Han held the Trandoshan's gaze. It had to be Basque. I heard you lost the Wookiee, Solo. Rumor has it you let a moon come crashing down on him. Which is just what I'd do if I had a Wookiee following me around. But what's one flea-bitten Wookiee or another? He continued with elaborate casualness. Why not just go out and get yourself another one? Han threw the punch that started it all. Removed from the frenzied tempo of lofty Coruscant, deep in a vertical slice of the city world known colloquially as the Abyss, 
Eight people of mixed species sat expectantly at a long table in a windowless and otherwise secure chamber. The chamber resided at the heart of the entombed headquarters of the New Republic's intelligence division. Separate conversations came to an abrupt halt when an entry-granted tone sounded from the door and Director Diff Scour stamped into the room, a sheaf of Durasheet documents and optical prints under one arm. Thank you all for gathering on such short notice. I have some important and time-sensitive information to share with you regarding the Yuzhong Vong defectors who were picked up by Exodo II. Seated around the long table were six members of the Security Council, the Amalan Senator Parolo Miyatamia, Senator Kral Pradjit, representing Yudatha, and Senators Gron Marab of Mon Calamari, Tolik Yar of Ulidi, Abel Bogan of Raltir, and Vicky Shesh of Kuat. Also present was Luke Skywalker and his Saturnine teenage nephew, Anakin Solo. Let's come to the point, shall we? Where are the defectors now? Senator Kral Pradjit asked from the chair closest to Scour. Never one to mince words, Pradjit had once sought to remove Leia Solo from office. Major Showalter has relocated the defectors to Merker for safekeeping until we decide just what to do with them. Were you able to gain any further insight into what compelled the enemy to invade the Outer Rim to begin with? Miyatamiya asked. We have not yet had time to interview the defectors thoroughly, but so far the one called Elan has reiterated much of what we already know about the motives of the Yuzhong Vong. At the behest of their gods, they are determined to cleanse our galaxy and or convert us to their religion. Scar took a breath. What I've come to tell you, however, is that Elan has provided us with intelligence of a highly sensitive and potentially invaluable nature. Should it bear out, I would like to seek authorization to relocate the defectors here to Coruscant. The plan we've worked out takes advantage of the current chaos in the Mid-Rim by effectively losing Elan and her companion, the one called Verger, among the crowds of displaced people and jumping them to Coruscant via a circuitous route through Bilbringi, Jagatu, and Chandrilla. Why are these two so eager to defect? Senator Shesh asked. Elan hinted at dissension among the Yuzhong Vong ranks, some disagreement as to the legitimacy of the invasion. Seemingly, she wants to help us. In return for what? Scour narrowed his eyes. Elan does have one request. He looked pointedly at Luke Skywalker. She wishes to meet with the Jedi Knights. She said it has to do with some sort of illness the Yuzhong Vong introduced on several worlds in advance of the arrival of their world ships. She refused to elaborate. She said the Jedi would understand. Skywalker and his nephew traded astonished glances. Nothing more? The elder Jedi said, clearly intrigued. Nothing more. The Jedi must discuss this matter, Luke Skywalker said. Personally, though, I can say that I'm eager to meet with the priestess. Everyone fell silent for a moment. Then Shesh spoke up once more. Director Scar, what is the nature of the intelligence Elan furnished? The Yuzhong Vong's next target, Ord Mantel. Though Verger might have been born of the Yuzhong Vong's masterful talent for genetic manipulation, the exotic creature had, in fact, been transported to the main fleet two generations earlier. 
by one of the first teams to reconnoiter the galaxy that had produced the Jedi. The scouting party had returned dozens of specimens to the world ships, including humans, verpine, tals, and others. After extensive experiments, some had expired and others had been sacrificed, but a few had been awarded as pets to children of select elite, such as Elan, youngest daughter of an advisor to Supreme Overlord Shimra. Verger's uniqueness was thought by some to be sacred. Through the long years of negotiating the intergalactic void, through the long years of Elan's rigorous training in the deception sect, Verger had been her constant companion, confidant, friend, even tutor. Does it cheer you to be back among your own kind? Elan asked carefully. Hardly my own kind, mistress. Among your home species, then? Verger's large eyes smiled. We, Fosh, were never at home among them. We were too few in number. Humankind had filled all the evolutionary gaps, bringing about the extinction of species like mine. But you could reveal the truth to Showalter and escape back to your own realm. Verger reached for Elan's patterned hand and caressed it. I am your familiar. Were it not for you... I would have been sacrificed or disposed of. We are linked until one of us dies. Elan exhaled with intent. Despite what you say or what you choose to reveal, you know these species better than anyone else, even Nomanor. Verger shook her head. The executor has made it his mission to study them, to know them better than they know themselves. We, Fosh, were more devoted to concealing ourselves. From what little you know, then, do you believe they will provide me with an opportunity to meet with the Jedi? It is too soon to tell, mistress. Should Commander Tala deem it wise to furnish the New Republic with a victory to support the data you provided, you may yet meet with them. Elan considered it in silence. Did you know of the Jedi in your time here? As I say, the Fosh moved discreetly, but of course we knew of the Jedi. They were manifold. I was surprised to learn that they are now few. She paused briefly. I thank you for revealing nothing of my past to Harar, mistress. Elan merely smiled. Did you ever witness the Jedi employ the Force... The Jedi considered the Force to be all around us, permeating all living things. So in that regard, I'm certain I witnessed the Force at work. Perhaps it would benefit the Yurong Vong to learn how to use it. Verger took a moment to respond. Indeed, it might befit the Yurong Vong to become aware of the Force, but it is not for all to employ such power should be reserved for those with the strength to heft the sword and the wisdom to know when to wield it. Han leaned his right shoulder against the pitted bars of the cramped jail cell and gently massaged the swollen knuckle of his left ring finger. Good fight, he said. I really enjoyed it. Fazgo and Roa were seated on the squalid floor, backs against an equally fouled wall, the former with a comically swollen right ear, the latter looking remarkably unscathed. Some mess, Roa said around a grin. Fazgo gently fingered the tip of his nose. Heels broken, he muttered. 
A gate slid open down the corridor, and in short order, a burly security guard in a gray uniform strode into view. All right, old-timers, the guard announced cheerlessly. You're free to go. Han, Roa, and Fazgo exchanged mystified glances. I thought we couldn't post bail until the arraignment, Roa said. You're not being arraigned, the guard said. You must have some friends in high places. The guard led them out of the confinement zone, returned their belongings, and pointed them to the exit. No sooner had they stepped into the passageway than an aqualish approached them. Roa, Fashko, Rokilamo, the alien began in somewhat garbled basic, courtesy of his inward-turned tusks. My employer requests the pleasure of your company. Boss B, Roa reminded Han quietly. The information broker. Fazgo gulped. Did we ask around? Han asked theatrically. I don't recall us asking around. The Aqualish, or Quora, showed the palms of fingered hands. Come now, gentlemen. Surely you can spare a few moments for the person who arranged for your release. The sprung trio traded surprised glances. Well, in that case, Han said, lead on. The swank hatchway to Boss B's lair was flanked by pug-nosed and prognathous Gamorian sentinels, and the plush anteroom was filled with an assortment of toadies, sycophants, and camp followers. The aqualist showed Han and the others to overstuffed armchairs in the main room and offered them drinks. Han remained standing. Save the geysers for the bets off, a disembodied baritone voice suggested. Have a tumbler of Wyron's reserve instead. Now that I won't turn down, Fazgo said, beaming. Make it two, Roa told the Aqualish. Three, Han said hesitantly, trying to discern the source of the resonant voice. Your reputation precedes you, gentlemen, the voice said. Fazgo ran the back of his hand over his mouth. If you mean the damage to the bets off, the Trend Oceans were responsible for most of it. <laughs> you can blame me for that, Boss B interrupted. I put them up to it. You? Why? Han demanded. How else could I have ensured that you would accept my hospitality, except by arranging for you to be released from incarceration? I don't get it, Han said. Boss B laughed. <laughs> I am personally informed when individuals of honorable or disreputable distinction arrive on the Jubilee Wheel. Such was the case with you, Roa. But imagine my surprise when, after a bit of machine-assisted scrutiny, I discovered your traveling partner to be none other than Han Solo. Han drained his glass in one gulp and set it down roughly. You planning to show yourself, or are we going to have to play Name That Voice? Not three meters in front of Han, the shroud field dissipated, revealing what might have been the outcome of a hot and human mating. Though the lavender-hued humanoid managed to get around on two tree-trunk-thick legs, possibly with the assistance of repulsor coil implants, he had the girth of a young hut and a head too large to fit through an ordinary hatchway. Disheveled, slate-colored hair crowned his head like an abandoned avian's nest, and enormous pink ears flapped against his skull like wings. In the reddish-stained fingers of one huge hand, he held a fat jackroot cigar. Han nearly fell out of his chair. Big bungee? The giant humanoid guffawed in merriment. <laughs> 
boss, Bungie, hon. Roa smiled broadly. Fazgo swallowed hard but said nothing. Han frowned. You're not still sore about my strafing your pressure dome on that asteroid? Not at all, Bungie said. I deserved it for trying to get the better of you on those chak root runs to Gorik. You took the words right out of my mouth, Han laughed. The fact is, I owe you a huge debt of gratitude for what you accomplished on Tatooine. Bungie gestured broadly. You could say that uh, much of this station owes to your efforts. Han jabbed himself in the chest. What I did on Tatooine? Bungie puffed on his cigar and grinned. To be more precise, what your wife did. You see, Han, I had attempted to relocate my business enterprise to Tatooine, only to be run off by Jabba. Not content to have done that, the hut orbit crippled my cash flow for the next few years. His death, however, presented me with an opportunity to rebuild my power base. A few shrewd deals made during the Thrawn years, and I was back on my feet. Then, just a year ago, I had the wheel assembled in a nearby system and towed here to Ord Mantell. This is yours, Han said. Most of it. Borger the Hut has a small stake in it. Now, if the New Republic would only do something about the Yuzhong Vong... Han's smile straightened. Some of us are trying to do just that, Bungie. Is that what has brought you here? Under a false identity, no less. Rose said, Han and I are trying to hunt down a former associate. Bungie inclined his head in interest. Which former associate? His name's Rek Desh. Bungie fell silent for a long moment. He inhaled on the cigar and launched a jumbo smoke ring toward the ceiling. If I were you, Han, I wouldn't be so quick to catch up with Wreck Desh. You wouldn't happen to know where Wreck is currently, asked Roa, ignoring Bungie's warning. At last report, the Peace Brigade was operating in hut space, Bungie said. Much to Borger's dismay. If you'd like, I could make a few inquiries. Han showed him a skeptical look. Why would you be willing to do that for us? Bungie shrugged. As I say, I owe you. If that isn't reason enough, then I'm doing it for the work. It near broke my heart to hear that he had died. I'd have given anything to have had a partner like Chewbacca. Before Han could respond, sirens began to blare and the illumination in Bungie's well-appointed enclave flickered. Without warning, the Jubilee wheel shuddered as if it had been poked by the finger of a colossal hand. One of Bungie's henchmen rushed to a nearby terminal and called up data on a display screen. Yu Bong attack! He blurted. Humans and others leapt to their feet, running every which way for exits, shelter. Bungie and the more important members of his coterie were already disappearing through a gaping hatchway in the cabin's rear wall. Han threw his pack over his shoulder and stumbled forward, only to have the hatch lock solidly as he reached it. To the happy dagger, Roa said from the anteroom. I've no intention of being on this wheel when the Yuzhong Vong decide to roll it downhill. Reaching a central passageway, they were immediately swept up in a mixed-species mob that was fighting its way toward the launch bays. All at once, the station sustained a strike of unprecedented force. Ear-splitting, nerve-grating sounds of rending alloy filled the corridor as a huge arc of exterior bulkhead was simply ripped away. And toward that dark breach, 
The crowd was inexorably pulled. Screams overwhelmed the metallic stridency. Waging a losing battle, people clawed at walls, deck-plating in one another in an effort to keep from being sucked into the maw. Pressed to the inner wall of the curve, Han, Fazgo, and Roa managed to grab hold of the twisted remains of a hand railing. But even as they struggled to secure themselves, bodies lifted parallel to the deck by the vacuuming force, the railing tore away from the bulkhead. An airborne MSE-6 droid caught Fazgo square in the head and carried him shrieking into the current. Han watched him sail toward the breach, arms outstretched and flailing as if plummeting from a great height. Han tore his gaze away before Fazgo vanished. Looks like we took a wrong turn, Han shouted to Roa, who was just out of reach to his left. Roa twisted his head around. Too bad the rejuvenation text didn't equip me with the strength of a young man in addition to the good looks. Hang on, Roa. Oh, I wish I could, but I think I hear Luil calling me. Don't say that. Just hang on till I get there. I can't, Han. I'm sorry. I just don't have it in me. Rose's face betrayed the struggle. Take care, old friend. Finish our business with Rex. Smiling resignedly, he submitted to the flow. Rowan! Han screamed, daring to extend one arm and nearly allowing himself to be carried away. Han shut his eyes, hung his head for a moment, then screamed in anger until his throat hurt. When his breath returned, he secured the travel pack to his back and began to pick his way toward a rib left exposed by flayed bulkhead sheets. He had no sooner wrapped his arms around the structural member when someone hurtled past his face a hair's breadth away and latched desperately onto his outstretched legs. Han's backbone stretched like a rubber band and groaned in protest. When the shock abated, he peered down the length of himself and saw that his unsolicited hanger-on was a male wren. Arms clutched around Han's knees and legs, thrashing. This one was sporting a soft, brimless cap of bright red and blue squares worn at a rakish angle. Mind if I rest here a moment? The alien asked in melodic basic. If I'm too heavy, I'll toss the cap. Han scowled at him. As long as your head's in it. So you'd rather I let go? If you make sure to close the door on your way out. That isn't vacuum out there, the wind said, nodding toward the breach. There's a mouth on the other side of that hole. A mouth? The mouth of a Yuzhong Wong dread weapon, like a huge serpent for taking captives. Han instantly saw the logic of it. The people, droids, and objects zipping past him weren't victims of compromised gravity. They were effectively being inhaled by something that had taken a giant-sized bite out of the wheel's rim. So, how do we gag that thing? Han said. The rim shook his head, long mustachios whipping about. I don't think we can, but there might be a way to stifle it. Han followed the rim's gaze to a seam in the corridor ceiling between them and the maw. A blast shield! The problem was that the mushroom-shaped button that could lower the shield was located on the corridor wall some five meters closer to the breach. There's a support strut just beyond me, the rim said. If I release my grip on you, I may be able to grab hold of it, but I still won't be able to reach the shield activation button. Finish your thought, Han said, trying to ignore a sinking feeling. Then you'll have to let go and catch hold of me. That should put you close enough to tap the button with your foot. Assuming I manage to catch hold of you, 
The wren snickered. Assuming also that I managed to catch hold of the strut, if I miss, well, I suppose it's a matter of how long you think you can hold on. Han regarded him quizzically for a moment, then nodded grimly. You've got yourself a deal. Good luck. The velvet-coated Rin eased himself down Han's legs until he was dangling from Han's ankles, then disengaged. Han heard rather than saw him make harsh contact with the strut. You all right? He called. Your turn, the Rin yelled shortly. Han took a steadying breath. Carefully unwrapping himself from the alloy rib, he let fly. The current was even stronger than he expected. In a split second, he was rushing past the rim. But when he reached out wildly to arrest his motion, he hugged only air. He was already imagining himself inside the Yuzhong Vong dread weapon when something wrapped itself around his chest under his arms, yanking him to a halt. It took Han a moment to grasp that the rim had snagged him with his tail. Kick the button! Kick the button! The alien squealed in a pained voice. Or plan on taking part of me with you into that creature. Han looked to his right and spied the mushroom button almost within reach of his right foot. Swing me to the right! He yelled. The Rin's muscular tail spasmed just enough to set Han swaying and bring him within reach of the corridor wall. He extended his foot and caught the button with the toe of his boot. The blast shield dropped rapidly.